sight. Caterpillar to a butterfly. It's green and growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Welcome back to Green and Growing. You are listening to 95.5 WSB. I'm your host, Ashley Frasca. Really happy to be alongside you for another Saturday morning, hour number two of the show. So you've come to learn that that means we have a celebrity gardener on the line this Saturday, August 1st. I didn't have to go too far. reached out to Bulldog Nation and got a guy you're very familiar with, 15 seasons as head coach at the University of Georgia and an 85-40 SEC record while with the Bulldogs, Coach Mark Richt. Good morning. Thanks for being here. Good morning, Ashley. How are you? I am doing good. It's so good to hear from you, and I know everybody here on WSB, the home of the dogs, loves hearing from you. Tell us, how's life, and how's your newer position with the ACC Network? What have you been up to? The ACC Network has been a lot of fun for me to stay involved in the sport, and, you know, we actually get to go see a few games in person, things of that nature, but uh, it's been a lot of fun. It's been you know, there's a lot of teamwork that it takes to produce a show, and it's fun to be on the team and not be in charge of the team sometimes. <laughs> so uh, I've enjoyed it, enjoyed the guys I'm working with. Shoot, I'm, I'm probably the oldest one uh, on the set by about 30 years, but uh, it's been fun. I'm used to working with young people, so it's, it's been, I've really enjoyed it. They have a lot they can learn from you. Now tell us how the ACC Network has been able to keep you busy with, you know, there not being very many sports happening since late March, early April. What kind of uh, things are you serving up? Actually, this spring, my wife Catherine and I were going to visit every ACC school, and we were going to go just do some fun social media stuff at every school. And, you know, the goal for me, part of the goal for me was to wear everybody's gear while we're on their campus. And so we started with Clemson. And then I went to Georgia Tech. We saw that. I, wore, I know. I saw. I wore a little Georgia Tech gear. Everybody flipped out in, uh, in the Bulldog Nation. <laughs> so I guess that was hard for them to handle. I mean, it was kind of hard for me to handle, too. But the goal was to go to all 14 schools and get some free gear. But uh, what happened was we, we did the first two, and then COVID hit. And we were not able to continue with our trip. So we missed out a lot of fun there. We are gearing up to go on the air in August. The huddle is the name of the show that I'm on. You know, I'm not sure what we'll do if there's no football. Right. We may do some shows just to teach the game of football. I don't know. There'll be some content issues that uh, we'll have to solve, but maybe we'll do some game shows, or maybe we'll do a gardening show. Hey, everybody could learn to to plant. That's uh, you're absolutely right. Bring that up to our producers, and that that just might happen. Hey, I'll, I'll be right there because I remember back at our time together during, at the University of Georgia, my first year was your first year. As a student, I entered UGA in 2001 and started working for the Athletic Association and Claude Felton and Carlene Lawrence. And every summer, if I'm not mistaken, all of your coaching staff got together and y'all taught X's and O's, right? It was maybe to, to anybody who wanted to be there, but I think it was mostly like female students that signed up for the courses, right? Yeah, we, well, we did have a... Uh football 101 for women we got them in the meeting rooms and we showed them stuff on the board and showed them things on film and we actually would gear everybody up in their jerseys and run plays out on the field so <laughs> i remember one time we actually simulated a kickoff 
team, and I think it was Craig Lumpkin's mom, went down the field and blocked the heck out of somebody. But every <laughs> time we did that, some somebody came out of there with stitches, but it was kind of a badge of honor. It was a lot of fun. And if they had a son that was on the team, that's definitely bragging rights for sure. So I got to be honest. I've had Coach Jeff Collins on the show maybe about three months back. So by the end of this conversation, we're going to know who knows a little more about gardening, you or him. I'll I'll give you a hint. I I had the advantage. My advantage is knowing Vince Dooley, knowing Coach Dooley. I've been to his house enough times to see his lush gardens and the pride that he takes in everything that they've got there at their home, him and Barbara, but I know he's he's an avid gardener for sure. He is so well known throughout the entire Southeast and even has ties to some of the gardens in Auburn and all of that. So when you were there, does he not have a rose garden and, of course, the hydrangea garden, right? He's got it all. I mean, he has so much land there, and, and um, he's got beautiful rose gardens for sure. Now, I want to pick your brain a little bit as a father of four kids, uh, two older sons, though, now married with families of their own, gearing this show a lot younger. That was the challenge when I began, and it's, it's a great challenge, too. I have come to know that millennial kids are so into planting and gardening now, and houseplants is a big craze, and you said one of your daughters-in-law had recently planted a garden, even if it's just on a, a balcony or a patio. How's that going? We had just spent some time in uh, Nashville with our son David and his wife. And her stepmother actually was an avid gardener, went along with her father. So she took those skills from home, and now they've got a little patio in the back. It's not a very big patio, but they've got, uh, I think they've got peppers and tomatoes. And uh, yeah, the jalapeno peppers Ooh. and uh, basil, and they've got. And then my son David, as a birthday gift for Joanna, got her a uh, a Japanese maple. They've got that in a big pot and trying to keep that thing going until they buy a home with a yard where they can plant it. Okay. Growing up, I actually had a chia pet, <laughs> so I don't know if that counts as a garden. Or it not. does. Hey, it's something you got to keep alive, right? You water it and it grows, right? Mine was in the shape of Garfield when I was a kid. Yeah, I totally remember that. So the Japanese maple, if the kids need help, have them call me because I know a guy. I'm just saying. Okay. So you and Catherine have had an opportunity to travel throughout the world. You've been able to do mission work and all of that. I want to ask a little bit maybe about the foreign cuisines that you guys had or any memories of just some of the vegetation or plants and flowers that you've seen. Maybe one of your most recent trips was Israel. Does anything stand out in your mind that was just jaw-droppingly gorgeous? The thing about Israel was the uh, just the amount of vegetation that they consume. Like you'll go to the hotel and you go to breakfast. And it's not just eggs and bacon. I mean, mm-hmm. They have all these wonderful things that you can eat that are fresh. A lot of things I'm not even sure what they were, to be honest with you. But <laughs> uh, very, very much into eating that Mediterranean-style diet. And talk about some of your favorite things to do now that you guys are down in Florida, living on the beach. What What's the most relaxing aspect of that now that you're partially retired. I mean, you're still working, of course, but what do you guys enjoy the most about just being outside at the beach? If you've ever been to Destin, you got the white sandy beaches. They call it the Emerald Coast because the water does 
have that emerald color and it's so clear and we just love looking out of our balcony and seeing nothing but ocean and sky and uh, and then of course our goal when we first moved there was every single day to, to find at least an hour to go sit on the beach and just enjoy it and uh, the only thing about the beach is you don't like a lot of vegetation in the water so you're kind of hoping for <laughs> clear water but uh, it's, a, it's just a beautiful place to be, very calm and uh, relaxing. Seaweed's a little gross. I don't want that touching me as I go out to the water, but you're absolutely right. Just such a nice place to relax. All right, well, you can enlist, Catherine, if you need some help on this. I got a quick game. I promise it's not hard. Are you willing to play? Very quick. I'm sure. So the game I have for you, and like I said, you can totally phone a friend sitting right next to you if need be. Holiday-specific plants, Coach Rick, whether it's a holiday that's in the name of the plant or plants associated with any holiday year-round that you can right. think of. I need you to name four. Well, Easter lily, oh, yes. poinsettia, <laughs> Christmas tree, <laughs> uh, roses for Valentine's Day. Hey, four. that's four. Now, how many of those were you? Uh, one and a half. Okay. <laughs> Y'all did fantastic on that. Catherine's whispering in my ear, so. <laughs> I heard her. She did there's, good. There's a delayed reaction. That's what it is. <laughs> Your prize is in the mail as we speak right now. Hopefully, let's consider that football is able to start, whether there are folks in the stands or not. I know right now you're following pretty closely the ACC due to your job, but do you have any thoughts or any predictions on how the Bulldogs are going to do this year? You know we're the home of the dogs. Oh, yeah. Well, they just inherited a quarterback or uh, a graduate transfer, Jamie Newman, who was in the ACC, Wake Forest. Uh, I think the kid is not a good quarterback, but a great quarterback. Uh, He's big. He's physical. He can throw the deep ball, short, intermediate. He can run in a physical manner. And he's got it, in my opinion, the competitive spirit that it takes to be great. So I think it's been a little disadvantage that they couldn't, you know, allow him to go through a spring because of COVID. And I don't know how much, you know, he can get through the summer just by watching film and things of that nature. This camp will be very important for him, but I believe he'll be the guy. If he plays as well as I think he can play, uh, especially as the season moves on and he gains that experience in their system, I think, you know, there's really good things for Georgia, no doubt. We can't wait. We're hoping everything returns as close to normal as it can be soon. Well, Coach Mark Richt, former head coach at the University of Georgia for 15 years and at the University of Miami, really glad you checked in this morning. And good luck to you guys. Keep in touch and let us know what we can do for you. All right, Ashley. We had fun. Thank you. Thank you for waking up with us here at WSB early on a Saturday morning, 722, 77 degrees outside. For the forecast today, that is sponsored by Finley Roofing, a 91-degree high heat today around Metro Atlanta, maybe a 20% chance for showers. And then tomorrow, highs hovering around 90 again. Sun early in the day, but then a chance for isolated storms later throughout the afternoon. So keep that in mind. That all comes from Channel 2 Action News meteorologist Brad Nitz. And the full forecast comes up in 10 minutes. Green and Growing! Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Here's your garden to-do list this week.
Picking out three easy things for you to do in the landscape this weekend. If nothing else, number one, you can take a look at your centipede lawn. And how is that looking? If the grass has turned dull green or maybe started to curl up, that could be a sign of a couple of things. Drought stress and could be due to poor watering practices. You know, you kind of sit around some days during the week and go, ah, if it's going to rain later, I hear a rumble of thunder. Maybe I don't need to water the lawn. And then a few days go by and it didn't rain enough. So uh, removing excess thatch, that's so important to keep up with. Compacted soil and poor root development or even nematodes. And there are a ton of publications uh, from the Extension Agency at the University of Georgia. If you have nematodes, oh my goodness, you've got to get that under control. Number two, it's safe to prune tropical hibiscus plants. If you plan to bring those indoors, you've got to when the, when the weather gets cold. Reduce them to a size that'll fit in your sunniest window so you can start to think about doing that right now. And number three, to keep your herbs at their best harvest often and only about 20% at a time. So don't leave a lot of the the flower, the uh, leaves and things on the plant for too long. Remove only no more than 20% at a time as you need it for cooking and sharing. Uh, water at the base of the plants, and that goes for most things. Don't water overhead, leave the leaves wet, and don't let the soil dry out to keep the soil conditions moist. 404-872-0750. We do have a few calls lined up. Up next, it's Michael in Austin, Texas. Hello, Michael. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Ashley. It's nice to be with you. Yeah. So do you have uh, ties to Georgia? Well, I lived in Georgia for 35 years, Ah. and I've been in Texas for five days. Okay. I moved to uh, Austin to be with my granddaughters, and I've been listening to your show and all of its predecessors Mm -hmm. when I moved to Austin or to uh, uh, to Atlanta in um, in '84. Yeah, Kathy Henderson and, and then learned, Walter Reeves, and right? Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. And and I've learned so much. But I come to Texas, where the temperatures are higher, maybe 10 percent higher, and the hum- and the humidity is a little bit lower. But the rainfall is like 34 days a year, and it's very different. So I have so much to learn. Yeah, Austin is so far inland. I ha- I grew up with relatives in the Houston area and Pearland, Texas, and they got a lot of that Gulf moisture, which was really nice and allowed for a lot of good gardening. But further in state you go, you're right. The dry conditions are nicer, though. That humidity, you will not miss that <laughs> going from Georgia to Texas for sure. Well, it's it's, it's a small percentage, but I'll take whatever I can get. Um, the the really cool thing about the area is that they have these. Um, that they have these desert-like plants that grow as big as garbage cans. You know, they're just huge. Right. And and they're just so showy. And so those are the kinds of things that I'm thinking that that we will that that I will uh, start looking at to uh, to put in. There's so many things that are in bloom right now that I've never seen before. And so I'm just taking mental notes um, everywhere I go to, to to think about what I could love to have in my in my landscape, you know, the, the place I'm, go ahead. I think that's such a good idea, Michael. If you watch every season, you know, go through a year cycle yes. of every season, you may even kind of have three seasons out there in Texas, not even four full seasons, but that goes for moving to a new house too, not even out of state. But when you're in a new spot, kind of check out everything that's there, watch the cycle throughout the course of the year. And also Texas A&M, you know, there's such a great agricultural school. You're going to find their extension publications probably pretty helpful, but get Getting to know the soil is so different. It's a lot sandier. It's a lot loamier. 
and just making sure you've got the right balance and doing new plans yes. there. But I've got some advice yes. for you. And thank goodness okay. for Walter Reeves turning me on to Neil Sperry. Neil Sperry is like the Walter Reeves of Texas. And really? so, yeah, even though it's Texas, I do subscribe to his newsletters. So that may be something you want to do. I mean, he is truly the Walter Reeves of, of Texas. And the newsletters what? are super helpful. Uh, Neil is N-E-I-L. Got it. Uh, so if you Google and, Neil Sperry's Gardens, uh, you probably would find a lot of his things. I mean, he's written books and all of that, but find his website, and there's a way to sign up for his newsletters there. Well, just like when I moved from Chicago in 84, there were a lot of things that grew in Chicago that didn't grow in, 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 in Georgia, mm-hmm. um, and, and like, like lilacs. Oh. I mean, I had a lilac bush, but it never bloomed, and so what's the point? Yes. Um, uh, as as Walter would say, peonies, they don't do very well. <laughs> no, uh, in, you know, and in, you're right, in Georgia. Yeah, peonies. We definitely need that little bit of chill temperature to get those tubers right. Michael, I hate to. It's been so fun talking to you, but we've got to take a break. Let me know. Check back in in a couple of weeks once you get one of Neil Sperry's newsletters and once you start to explore Austin a little bit more. Welcome to Austin. Great city. My best friend lived there for years. We're going to miss you here in Georgia. 404-872-0750. We will be back on Green and Growing. Thanks for listening. Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries on 95.5 WSB. Halfway through another episode of Green and Growing. Thank you so much for listening this morning. I'm your host, Ashley Frasca. And you know what we do with the show? All three hours of the show, almost immediately as the hour ends, Jason Byers or whoever is producing that Saturday puts it up online for you, for your listening pleasure. And I know when I was answering phones for Walter, back when it was the Lawn and Garden Show, we heard from so many people in the landscape industry or first responders or folks in the medical field that worked those different hours that would maybe just be coming home and catch the beginning of the show, but then they wanted to go to bed. Or landscapers that were working outside all day thinking, I want to listen to a garden show while I'm doing my work and just pop in the earbuds, you can do that. So you can go on wsbradio.com and go go to On Demand and listen to all three hours separately there. Or you can find it on Google Play, on Spotify, and even find it on the WSB Radio app. There's also an On Demand section there where you can play back the podcast hours. So when you think about a radio hour, a true hour on the clock, we really only get maybe 28 to 31 minutes, and that's maybe being over generous, uh, of content. Because we've got news and traffic and weather we have to give you. We have sponsors and advertisements we have to play to pay the bills. So, yeah, I mean, really, when you take out all of that, you can quickly get through three hours of green and growing. So thank you for uh, for finding that online and for listening and for contributing to the ratings of the show. That is so important to keep it on the air. 404-872-0750. And what I'm going to do on the Facebook page, I haven't really promoted that this morning, Uh, When you search Facebook, Green and Growing WSB, and you can like the page, follow the page there, try to do some interactive things. And like we spoke with Walter an hour ago about the cicada killer wasp, and he had a really funny short little video that was submitted to him by someone. So uh, 
just see how nature works. I shared that link on the site and also have a photo album that you might want to check out, Highway Horticulture. And that's something Walter and I started years ago together and then kind of reinventing it and bringing it back. It was especially a lot more active in the spring and early summer as trees and shrubs were starting to bloom and flower. A lot of you are like, what's that? Oh, I see that along the, the highway all the time. Or I've got this in my yard and I have no idea what it is. Or this neighbor has this really pretty tree and I want one and I don't know how to identify it. So every week or so I would pop up a picture and tell you what you're looking at and kind of the features of that plant. So if you ever have anything that you know, you have discovered, recently discovered what it is, and you think a lot of other people would like to know, you can always submit pictures to me there on the Facebook page, and we'll share it with others. And I want to bring back Weed of the Week, too. Oh, my gosh, that was a photo album that we worked on together as well. And that would have been really helpful to me this past week or so, because we've been bad about keeping the fescue mode. Uh, we've been really bad about mowing once a week. And so weeds are overtaken. We had a beautiful fescue lawn back in the spring. It, it came in really full and really nice. We did a seeding in the fall and seeded again, I think maybe late March. And it looked great. And just not keeping up with it and not watering regularly um, and not keeping up with the pre-emergent application either. Two of the most invasive weeds that I'm dealing right now are cudweed, uh, which is also rabbit tobacco. And it's a low-growing little, I don't know, like a like a cabbage, but with long, skinny leaves that all, you know, come from the center, and they're kind of curled. And it, it's really pretty. It's like a, a lime green little, little fan-shaped weed that lays flat in the yard. But if you let it flower and grow a long stem and stuff, it's, it's going to be a whole different plant uh, with, you know, calling it rabbit tobacco. But pulling those out, I mean, I have manually pulled out so many of those. And also Virginia buttonweed as well. That just gets really long and stemmy. And once you pull out one stem, you just want to go back and find the base and the beginning of the root of the thing and pull that whole thing out. But both of those, I think, really do well in poorly drained soil and just compacted soil too. So what I've found is both the cudweed and the Virginia buttonweed are growing in my lawn where we used to have mole tunnels. So that is where they're thriving, at the edges of the driveway, at the edges of the walk. That's where those weeds are most prevalent. So I spent some of the springtime stomping down mole tunnels and also pokeweed, poke salad. Um, Seeing a lot of that as well, too, up in the juniper. And I can't get to it because I'm afraid of snakes. I don't want to walk through the juniper and get to that. So, yeah, if you have a weed you need identified, too, you can submit that on the Facebook page on Green and Growing WSB. And something else Nicole and I got into right at the beginning of the show And I want to share a really special piece with you that I recently did about Green Meadows Preserve, a really cool place in West Cobb County where there's so much to see and do and a master gardener bed where you can actually rent a little plot and grow your own garden. But it's something really nice for spectators just to check out and a lot to learn from and and see. But also uh, Bluebird houses and bluebird nests that Jim Bearden takes care of there. But Nicole and I just starting to talk about attracting birds and the nice plants that you can have in the landscape that the University of Georgia recommends you plant uh, to attract birds. And, you know, of course, they love berries. So we were talking about the China berry tree, but also American beauty berry. That's going to provide great food for the birds in the fall. But summertime, you may have black gum or blueberry dogwood, uh, not no, not dogwood right now, but black gum, blueberry. I'm trying to think of what else. 
Japanese yew. That's going to provide some food for the birds in the summertime. So really, ah, sweet gum. Oh my gosh, I can't believe the birds would do anything with sweet gum. But so many different flowers and, and mulberry too. Uh, things that berry that the birds love. And not only do they need that for a food source, but they also need that for cover. It provides shelter as well. They need shelter and they need water just as importantly as they need food. So you think about a river birch. Oh my gosh, that provides great cover and shelter for birds. I've got one, a river birch tree really close to my feeder and they all just wait in line, lined up on the limbs of that river birch and talk to each other and can see when each other, when they're done with the feeder. And they all kind of take turns, a tufted titmouse, a ton of goldfinches. They seem to love being around the river birch. I've even had butterflies flying around it too. So something about a river birch tree and a wax myrtle as well, that's good for them. Dogwoods, that's where kind of fall and winter we fall into. That provides good cover and good fruit. For birds as well. So yeah, without further ado, I would like to share with you the piece from Green Meadows Preserve and we could learn a little something together about bluebirds. Green Meadows Preserve. Have you heard of it? It's in West Cobb County and off of Highway 120 for those of you that are Cobb County residents and maybe not. Maybe you've never heard of it. Well, I came along today and I want to introduce you to somebody, Jim Bearden. He has a vested interest in the Green Meadows Preserve and is the vice president of the Friends of Green Meadows there's a lot of cool stuff being done here other than the walking trails, the 185-year-old southern red oak, acres of just natural beauty that you need to see. I want you to learn a little bit more about Jim's weekly tasks that he volunteers to do, watching and maintaining and keeping a close eye on 30 bluebird nesting boxes. When we identify a bluebird nest, what materials do they use? They like pine straw, and when it's available, that's their material of choice. Chickadees like uh, moss and hair. Uh, wrens like sticks and grass and hair. So you can always tell what species it is by the material they're using. Sometimes I go out here, and if I don't clean it fast enough, if I have a chickadee, I'll have a bluebird built on top of it. And then if something happens and they don't lay their eggs, a wren will come in and build on top of that. Which parent is responsible for doing most of the construction? Both build the nest. Only the female can lay the eggs and only she can incubate the eggs. And while she's sitting on the eggs, the male feeds her. He brings her food. And then after they fledge, they are all responsible for feeding them because the babies, after they fledge, are not capable of feeding themselves for the first 30 days after they leave the nest. I guess we'll start with the courtship between the bluebirds. Well, the male is the one that finds the nest site, so he's the one that checks out the, uh, the nest box, and then he has a whole little song and, and flirtation uh, routine that he goes through. Once she decides that she wants to move in with him, then they start building a nest, and normally it takes uh, about a week. And then once she starts laying eggs, she lays one egg a day, up until five or six eggs. So usually it's four to five, that's the norm brood. She takes a break, goes and finds insects and exercises. Because once she starts incubating, she's confined to that box a lot. So once she starts sitting on the eggs, it takes her 12 days of sitting on the eggs to incubate them to hatch. And then once the eggs hatch, uh, they're very good housekeepers. They um, take all the shells out, all the waste sacks out. From the time they hatch, because they all hatch the same day, 
it takes 19 to 20 days for them to develop to the point that they can fledge and leave the nest. Once they leave the nest, they fly to a perch or then up into the trees. And then for the first 30 days after that, you see them out, you see little specks on their chest. And four or five of them will be lined up on a limb, crying and begging for the parents to feed them. And the parents feed them. They're not born with the knowledge of how to feed themselves. So the parents have to teach them. And one quick question you mentioned earlier, how smart bluebirds are. What's maybe one thing people would be surprised to know about bluebirds? They don't want a neighbor. They don't want to see their neighbor. Uh, think of a football field. They don't want to be any closer than 100 yards to their neighbor. So I did a test site to try to help with the competition of the tree swallows and the bluebirds. Knowing I wouldn't get bluebirds in both, but I was hoping to get tree swallows in one and a bluebird in one. Bluebirds build a fake nest in one box, then built a real nest and laid their eggs and hatched their babies in the, the box next to it. So they're pretty smart. It's pretty cunning. One of the questions I always ask about bluebird houses, nest boxes such as this, is it true they have to face a certain direction, they have to be mounted at a certain height? Is that true or false for just a standard homeowner? True. Should be six feet tall. Um, should always face east because we get less bad weather out of the east and then we get the morning sun so they can warm up in the mornings after a cool night. We're encouraging people to put up correct nest boxes in their yards so that we have more places for them to go and make nests and reproduce. And what varieties of bluebirds do we see here in Georgia? Just one kind? The eastern bluebird. And their territories from Canada all the way to the northern part of Florida. The nesting season is like March to end of August. Then during the winter, they live in the trees. They don't migrate. The eastern bluebirds, they stay here. And today, I came to Green Meadows Preserve. This is just natural beauty that you need to see. Undiscovered treasure. It's being discovered uh, recently, but it's a beautiful park. It's a passive park. It's meant for walking, uh, your dogs, uh, hiking. It's just a gorgeous place to see a lot of birds and see a lot of plants and flowers and great place to have picnics and we just ask that you leave no trail behind take everything with you that you bring in so respect the park and uh, she'll take care of us for years to come happy trails to you jim thanks all right thank you thanks for coming out Thanks, Jason. That's a great song. Poke salad. Indeed. Yeah, you can eat it. There are a lot of things outside you can eat, and back in the day, a lot of people depended on that. That's a fascinating plant. I love the purple stem. Really, really cool. 754. Welcome back to Green and Growing. Another hour of the show left to go, and at uh, 830, we're going to hear from Pike Nursery and what exciting new product they have that I guarantee you're going to love. I'm going to go get two myself because I know exactly where I want them what I want to do with them and where I want to plant them. So you have to listen in. We're going to have Charles Lampkin from Pike Nursery coming up at 830 to share a new plant with us. And 404, 
872-0750. More of your calls as well. Even if you don't have a garden question, you're able to just share with me something you're trying or a disappointment or a success in the landscape. Any of that, some advice you have for people, 404-872-0750. Got to give you a weather update first. Brought to you by Finley Roofing today. You can expect a high around 91 degrees, only a 20% chance for showers. I don't think that ever goes down to zero during the summertime. And tomorrow, it's going to be much the same. Highs in metro Atlanta around 90 degrees. Sunshine early in the day, and then it gets a little cloudier as the day goes on. Isolated storm chance increases throughout the afternoon. Green, Green and growing. Ashley Frasca's top three things to do this weekend. All right, keeping it simple for you. If you're taking a look at your herb garden or maybe you haven't harvested a lot, you're going to want to do that to keep your herbs at their best. You have to harvest often, and each time you go out there and pluck a few leaves off, maybe only remove about 20% at a time as you need to use them. Water the base of the plants and don't let the soil dry out, especially those in containers. Number two, if you're looking at your centipede lawn, this may be you if the grass has turned a little dull, green, or curled up. That could be a sign of a couple of things. You're going to want to check for drought stress, poor watering practices. you got to soak at least an inch of water in there every week to keep that lush. Remove excess thatch. Check for compacted soil, but you probably know by now if you've got that or not. Poor root development, so maybe you haven't fertilized and followed a good regimen. I know that's a that's not a heavy feeder, centipedes not, but it still needs a little bit. Or look out for nematodes, and I want you to go to extension.uga.edu to find out more about that, if that's in fact what you've got. And number three, it is safe to prune tropical hibiscus plants. You want to be thinking about doing that now because you're going to plan to bring those indoors when the weather gets colder. So just reduce them to a size that'll fit in your sunniest window, and that's going to be good to go for the winter time. And also a lot of those house plants you brought outside. Hopefully you're keeping those cut back just a little bit, pulling the dead leaves off of them and giving them the right amount of sunlight that they need. There aren't too many houseplants that I can think of that need that bright, bright sun, but a lot that just take the bright light, maybe in more of a shaded, protected part of, of your deck or balcony or patio. And also next Saturday, I'm going to be doing a feature on houseplants, a little bit that I picked up from my time at Pike Nursery. I did a class there back in the spring about houseplants. Certainly nowhere close to knowing all that I could know about houseplants, but a fun piece next Saturday in the third hour that you're going to learn a little bit from and just what the craze is, what everyone's attracted to. So coming up in the 8 o'clock hour, I want to hear from you on Green and Growing, so call now. 404-872-0750. That is the number to get you through to 95.5 WSB. Ask us your question. Give us your advice or your successes and failures. And really quick, speaking of that, when people offer advice, I heard from a friend, Dave, who said, don't flush those foreign China seeds down the toilet. That's bad. They go to a sewer plant, and then they have to be removed from the water and the liquid sewage. You never know where it ends up. So don't flush seeds down the toilet if you don't know what they are. Good advice. We'll be back on Green and Growing. Stay tuned. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.